Welcome to the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. Now, here's your hosts, B. Cox and the crew. Greetings and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Vault Podcast. Classic music reviews presented by IV Creative. It's a perspective of the classics from a fresh point of view. We appreciate you for taking your time and lending your ears to our perspective. You could be anywhere listening to anything, but you're right here with us, so we thank you. With you today is yours truly, B. Cox, and with me, I have my boy in the place to be, J.O., here joining me on this glorious afternoon here in the DMV and, of course, across the interwebs connected here on the Vault Classic Music Reviews. Shout out to everybody who is joining us as well and listening in from stateside and worldwide. I want to thank y'all for continuing to give the show love and support. Like we said, we got a big last quarter of the year to come out and we got some action packed albums we're going to be reviewing and also some action packed segments we have coming up. So continue to show the love. Always make sure you're connecting with us on social media, reaching out to us. Let us know what you think. Hitting us in the inbox. We always love, of course, because we do it here all for you. And like we always say here on the vault, our motto is hashtag open the vault, hashtag nothing but the classics and Jay. Well, we always like to cover albums here on The Vault that we say have some sort of impact. You know, there's the reason why we call it. It's, it's classic music review. And in the hip hop genre, you come across certain albums and some have a little bit more of an impact than others. And this album in particular that we're going to cover today is an album that had an impact for a lot of different reasons, um, good and bad. If you look at it, especially from that perspective at the time that it came out. So we're going to go back 30 years ago. And we are going to go back to 30 years ago to October 31st, 1991 on Halloween and take a look at the second album of Ice Cube, the controversial yet classic Death Certificate, released on Lynch Mob and Priority Records with a runtime of 61 minutes and 8 seconds. Recorded mostly in 1991, and it was a busy year for Cube um, during that year. Cube, formerly an NWA, then turned solo after the classic album Straight Outta Compton. And this was his second album after his classic debut, America's Most Wanted. Producers on this, production mostly handled by Sir Jenks, some also by DJ Pooh, and also production by Ice Cube. Now, this album came out in 1991, and Jay, you know, at this point, Cube was very busy after Straight Outta Compton. He left, obviously, because there were disputes about the group and about equal pay and about treatment and things of that nature. Plus, Cube was a star that even with N.W.A. was starting to expand beyond just the reach of the group because of what he did. He was the lead rapper. He wrote for many people on the group who didn't have the writing prowess like he had. His pen game definitely was pivotal towards nwa becoming the group that it did and he needed to be basically branched out on his own so as he does that he releases america's most wanted in 1990 and as 1991 starts he starts to record death certificate but this wasn't the only thing he was doing though jay he was also involved with other things involved with music he had a label he was involved with yo-yo and her debut album make way for the mother load also involved with his younger cousin none other than dale the funky homo sapien and his album I wish my brother George was here. And on top of all of that, as I was telling you before we came on and talked, Jay, before I came down for us to record this on BET was playing none other than Boys in the Hood. 
which he starred in and also co-starred with Cuba Gooden Jr. and Lawrence Fishburne, which was a huge hit, a movie that has turned 30 years old as of this year as well. So he had a lot going on while he was recording this album. Then to also further change things up during the first album with America's Most Wanted, he had production by the Bomb Squad. You know, he went to New York and worked with the Bomb Squad, who did right. production with Public Enemy. He worked a lot with Chuck D and the Bomb Squad. You know, they talked about how they went to the record warehouse in Long Island and pulled tons and tons and crates and crates of records to really create that sonic wall of sound that you heard a lot as well on the third album, Fear of a Black Planet by Public Enemy. And you heard that sound. This was a little bit different, though, because this was mostly produced by Jenks. And you could start to hear when you listen to the production here how different it was and then how evolved the sound was starting to become, as you would mention, it started to really get that West Coast sound, that West Coast like G-Funk sound started to be defined and was really starting to take shape around this time. And not only that, Cube himself personally had, you know, made some had made a conversion over to Islam. You can tell with some of the stuff he had been involved in from when he left NWA to now that his content and his music also changed a lot, too. So this really was an explosive, explosive album when it came out. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and get into it with you because I know you're a hip hop head, but I know that you love, love hip hop from the West Coast. So, of course, man, Ice Cube's death certificate, 30 years old this year. Uh, amazing sophomore album. When you talk about sophomore albums, a lot of people put this at the top of the list. When you say who's had the best sophomore album, this is right here in the short list. So I'll go to you, man, your thoughts on this album by ice cube death certificate. Tell me what it is. Tell me how you felt the first time that you listened to it. Um, and then since then it's legacy, how it's, you know, how it's changed to you and then listening to it recently. How do you think this legacy has stood up? Yeah, for sure. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like back then, course like 91 i think yeah i just turned 10 years old but at the same time you know with cube like his focus mostly being on like for lack of a better term like black power and things like that like most more like socially conscious music like mm-hmm. i was i guess i was in a privileged position like you know what i'm saying like you know having relatives stuff like that that really was teaching me about black history black power and everything like that so then when cube came along with this it was like oh it's, you know what i'm saying it's like kind of like coinciding with what they were talking about Albeit not, and and the thing about it, it wasn't corny. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you had people that could do those type of records that sound, sound jolly whack or whatever, but like not with Cube. Like, mm-hmm. not at Cube all. Cube held, he didn't hold back at all. You know what I'm saying? Like back then, but of course, I can only grasp so much of that concept at like you know being 10 years old. But moving on up to now, like, I mean, it's like to me, it's it's age like fine wine, especially with the lyrical content. Yeah, and I kind of feel like it's a double edged sword. I mean, it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. Like. Yeah, like, you could look back on this to pull, like, strength as far as, like, being your best self as far as, like, a particularly a black man in America and realizing what the issues are to be faced and everything like that. But it's kind of sad at the same time. Like, dang, these issues are still here, still prevalent even 30 years later. Ah, tell me about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, matter of fact, it makes me even think. Because, I mean, like, again, like, 1991, like, going back to that, like, this is, like, right after the whole Rodney King tape came out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, so for this almost, like, to be the soundtrack to that and then... With Boys in the Hood, like, you know what I'm saying? It was like, I almost say it was like the, it was a reason LA riots happened, but like, you know, it was like that, it led to that, it led to that spirit of like, you know, black folks being, in particular being fed up, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And he was, he was, he was, I think it was like on the Predator journey, not to skip ahead to the new, his um, other album, but like, yeah. 
He was like, anything you want, you, anything you wanted me to prophesize about, I was like, just go back, to, just go back to ice, my ice cube library and pick a record. And sure yeah. enough, that was the case with this. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Well, first, before I even get like into, into that part of it, to speak on what you just said, you said some really interesting things just now. There, speak about a rapper that you think about has a three album run for their first three albums, then Ice Cube with America's Most Wanted, Death Certificate, and The Predator. I mean, that's about as impressive as the three first LP run as you can have as an MC. Absolutely. You know, and, and just each each of them have a value proposition in regards to the message that resides in each one of those albums. But it's it's crazy to think about that now we're in 2021. This is in 1991, as you said, March 1991. Rodney King gets um, attacked by the police and is arrested. Mm-hmm. That eventually sees the light of day. In 1991, Latasha Hollins gets killed right. by a career store owner on March, not even two weeks after Rodney King. Right, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? that was, which was straight up murder, by the way, if you saw it, that too. Oh, it's absolutely, it's 100% murder. And all this happening in L.A., right in the view and in the consciousness of Ice Cube as he's going through this. And the one thing that I have to say about Ice Cube is that the short-sightedness, I would have to say, of the media. Now, I would have to... One thing about it is that I think that any Ice Cube or any other gangster rapper back there rightly earned the criticism for the things that they said in their music about women, about drug dealing and things like that. The women part of it, I think, is the part that I think that they do deserve the criticism of because a lot of that's wrong. We know that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think they were all products of their environment and what they were experiencing. The part, the things that they were speaking about were things that they were experiencing and things that people that they knew experienced. So this is the vein in which this album gets made. It's made in the vein where police brutality is an issue, where an issue where blacks care, blacks are killed for the perception that we're doing the wrong thing and therefore they feel as though they have to eliminate us. So that's really where you get the the energy of this album sort of coming from. In addition to all the ratchet shit that they talk about in this album, too. Mm-hmm. And, and right. that's where we talk about differences, like uh, the death side and the life side. Like when I first heard this album, I heard it on cassette tape. So you got that death side and that life side. The death side is pretty much all the bad stuff that people want to talk about. It's about talking about things in the hood, things about drug dealing, things about women and stuff about STDs and violence and all that stuff you want to talk about. The life side is a little bit more socially conscious and it's talking about the issues. And that to me was the side that you could talk about both of those sides have relevance as far as what's going on today. But the life side more so than anything else is like, damn, yo, 30 years forward. And we talk about this with a few albums, but really 30 years forward and here's where we are. You know what I mean? So I, what, I, what I would say when I first listened to this album, first of all, this was an album. It was one of those albums that you could sort of sneak to listen at home. This is an album I had to go listen to over at my homeboy's house, you know, because I wasn't listening to this at home. Even with the headphones on, I wasn't listening to it at home. This was a tape that I didn't dare to bring inside my household at nine years old. Like when I first heard this album, when I finally turned 10, I was at my homeboy's house listening to it because his parents were a little bit younger. They were sort of into rap and things like that. So that's how I listened to it. Blown away, obviously, because we all know Cube had skills, but it seemed like he like was coming for next on this one. And even back then, when I was, you know, nine, ten years old, I'm like, yo, yo, Cube is really after people now. I mean, 
even beyond not even just getting to know Vaseline, which is the last track on this joint. But, you know, he seemed like he just he was with a he was with a purpose. I'm listening to it later. Obviously, I I visited this a lot more the older that I got. And then now as a full blown adult, like I'm blown away, of course, by the lyrical content, blown away by the messages that are in here. And then furthermore, the production, like to go from the bomb squad and then go to Jenks. And for Jenks to be able to put together a production on this where they use records. And I don't know if you noticed this, but during on the production of this, there's probably a couple of records that were sampled like three or four different times. I remember reading something. Somebody said that actually George uh, Clinton and Funkadelic's Atomic Dog, they sampled that record, I want to say, and I think 10 different records in this song. So they took different elements from that one song and used it in 10 songs in here. That's crazy, ain't it? That's wild stuff. That's like production, production mastery to be able to take that and be able to disguise it so well that you can't tell that it came from a song that you may have heard earlier, a sample that you heard earlier. Um, I thought I thought Madly was dope with that man. Yeah, Jinx too. Like way way early, it's like yeah. I know it's it's crazy, man. (laughs) But just um, really blown away by the sound. I felt as though like on America's Most Wanted, I feel as though solo wise he was still trying to 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 find his way, and he did a pretty good job with that. But I think with this, man, he really took, as they say, the tiger by the throat and he went for it. You know what I mean? And, and also shout out, of course, to Boogeyman. They did, uh, you know, B- Boogeyman producing on this is too. And a lot of a lot of tracks on here. Summer Vacation, Steady Mobbing, um, Giving Up the Naggy Duck Out. So not just Jenks on this. Boogeyman as well. Got to definitely give their props as well. But it's an album that when we talk about, depending on who you talk to, People will either love or hate it, but the majority of hip hop heads love it. People, obviously, there was a lot of controversial things about this. This is where the things about, you know, obviously the things that came up in No Vaseline and then Black Korea. And then people will always talk about that, you know, was homophobic and anti-Semitic and all the different other things that Cube had going against them during that time. But I think for us in our generation, the message was the most important thing. So now we're going to get just into highlights, man. So, Jay, give me some of your highlights here on Death Certificate and any lowlights if you have them at all as well. Yeah, for sure. So um, highlights for me would be Steady Mobbing. Um, mm-hmm. For me, A Bird in the Hand, because, like, that was what, I mean, because, like, that, I, mean, I don't know if you recall that mm-hmm. playing in Boys in the Hood, like when uh, mm-hmm. Ferrison was put up on Trey and, like, oh, yeah. cocked a shotgun in mm-hmm. his face. Yep, I they remember that. that drink. So, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like. Yeah. I was like, I was in this shop. Oh shit, sound dope as hell. Like, mm-hmm. right, yeah. Um, so yeah, so for that to be on here it was like it was a pleasant, it was a pleasant surprise. Mm-hmm. Other highlights, I have to say, um, it's kind of a one-two punch, even though it's, even though it's on the death side, mm-hmm. would be have to be um, giving up the nappy dugout and then look who's burning. Yeah, oh yeah. Because me, and I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, like reason being because like <laughs> those two, that's it's like a one-two punch. That's probably like the best, like yeah. Sex ed journey that you could probably put out there to play to like so like really educate them about like you know what's gonna happen if you mess up mess with chicks that's for the streets mm-hmm. you know what I mean like uh, of course I'm giving up the nappy dugout you know what I'm saying you mess with chick you find out you know what I'm saying she ran through about half the hood right and then look who's burning us for of course like what the end result of that could be so like that mm-hmm. that wipes out the effectiveness of pretty much like and I know I'm showing my age by using this term like every after school special <laughs> we probably watch like growing up as far as like STDs and shit. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no matter of fact, it even it, it even it even made me think about it. like remember the joint um the salt it's like it's almost like the B side the dirty side to like the joint um let's talk about sex the whole salt mm-hmm. pepper joint mm-hmm. it's yeah. almost like a B side of that but like this is like the more explicit gutter side of you know what I mean yeah, like exactly 
Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's made me think about it. like, oh, this was around during that time. Like, I'm like, oh shit. Like, mm-hmm. of course, no Vaseline, which apparently um, they had to add to the joint later. It didn't, it didn't come out with the initial release of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Just like the, for the fact it was so impactful as far as disc records. Like, yeah. There was always disc records and hip hop, but like, mm. no Vaseline, I think, was that pivotal point as far as like, Raising the bar as far as how like how venomous disc records could be. Oh goodness gracious! You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like almost, I put it like this: like No Vaseline had to cross so it, hit him up, could walk. Like, yes. like you know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no Vaseline. Oh goodness, yeah, classic. classic. It makes me think. It makes me think about like, yeah, what was y'all thinking, dissing this man? Like, because because mm-hmm. like of course like this like around the same time that um Niggas for Life came out, and you look at the contrast between those two albums, like this and like that one, they was more so. Focus on that gangster, gangster shit, mm-hmm. and Cuban in this direction. Mm-hmm. So then for them, not th- well, they just they just smoke with a hundred miles and running, right? Yeah, hundred miles and running. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then for him not to say nothing on America's most, he had to come back with this, like yeah. But it's like you dissing somebody that pretty much wrote for everybody in the group, with the exception of probably like MC Ren. Ren, yeah. So it's almost like you biting the hand that's feeding you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So like that just wasn't a smart decision, and even Yella had to admit, like, damn man, Cube got us. So like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they knew. Yeah, that I mean, just shows how impactful that record was. Yeah, it definitely was um, something that ruffled some feathers, and it wasn't just NWA's feathers. This got the attention of you know groups like the ADL and you know uh, other folks, you know, like groups and people who were you know saying that it was hate, hate speech and stuff like that. So it was it caused it caused a lot of ruffled feathers for the fact that it was a diss track. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm really targeted at mm, NWA and also their manager. So, right, right. yeah. Yeah. Any other oh, highlights? I was going to say, um, was, gonna say was um, Alive on Arrival, too. Like, I like mm, how, how you did with that, Jane, as far as, like, exposing, like, the stuff black folks have to go through, like, you know, hospitals and lower-end communities. and Tell me about it. Even when you, even you had, even, like, you know, when you're the victim of, like, violence or something like that, they want to press you about mm-hmm. shit that, quite frankly, doesn't matter. Like, when you're in a life-or-death situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that that struck me, man. Especially he talking about the whole thing about the bullet traveling through his body, and they asking him questions, you know, handcuffed to the bed. Oh man, it's woof. That hit me, and I, I just remembered like how gripping that was. Even when I was like nine, ten years old, when I listened to it when I was later, I was like, damn, that's 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 tough. That's really really tough. Highlights. So. Off the break, the wrong nigga to fuck with the way it comes in off of the intro just sets the tone for the album for me. I mean, it just completely says there's one thing I have to give Cube his credit for. He's one of the best niggas at, especially during that particular era, like them early 90s, at coming in and grabbing your attention off the first couple of bars just because of his voice and the bars that he spits that comes out. Craziness. My summer vacation. Just another example of Q being able to tell stories and telling a story about taking his operations out east over to St. Louis and them taking over niggas blocks and being able to make money. And then them niggas getting mad and basically figuring out they wanted their corners back. And then really, I think to me, it mirrored what was happening in the country around that time, because we always kind of thought like these West Coast gangs were sort of like being West Coast, like the Crips and the Bloods. We all thought that was a California thing. But you know, they started expanding out, especially, I don't know, really remember, but like in the nineties, it seemed like it was starting to move further East. So when they were giving that little fake news report, talking about some stuff in East St. Louis and, and Michigan and Oklahoma and Texas, 
you start, I remember that like right around the same time that niggas started seeing Crips and Bloods like in New York and, and also in D.C. and all these other places where you wouldn't expect Crips and Bloods to be at. All these different other Crip and Blood sets popping up all over the country. So I thought it was interesting that he chose that song to where niggas were pretty much where the West Coast was starting to expand their operations east. And as they went east, the gang shit came with them. Um, Steady Mobbing, obviously. Great track. Another classic Ice Cube track. Gotta agree with you there on that giving up the nappy dugout and look at who's burning. Like, perfect back-to-back sort of thing to talk about, you know, little girl went to Catholic school, private school, now she's a slut. You know, this is what she's doing. You know, she's doing this or whatever, whenever things happen. You know, and now you dig into the look at look who's burning, all the things about the different type of things that happened when you fuck around in the hood. And as they say, you don't wear Jimmy hats. This is what happens, you know. And uh, my man going into the clinic, talk about some, he's there for a physical, you know, quotation mark. He's there for a physical. And you know, you're not there for no physical, nigga. You're there to go get treated for some shit some bride gave you. Is what the fuck you treat getting treated for, <laughs> you know? A bird in the hand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's just really the comparison between working a regular job to them, him going to get drugs to be able to make it so that he can really eat. Uh, just a story that a lot of kids go through, especially growing up in the hood. It's about going and making honest money versus what you can make on the street. If you can make in a day, what you can make in a month, why wouldn't you do it? Alive on arrival, really gripping story. The whole thing about the bullet, like I'm sitting there thinking about like what's going through his head and that the feeling of what it may feel like a bullet actually traveling through your body as you're, wanting to get care while you're getting questioned and you know people asking you to fill out forms and you're sitting in the waiting room with a bunch of people who've been through shit just like you all gunshot wound victims and you know that sort of takes me back to remember what it was like in the city jay when we were growing up like those 99 those days in 1991 where you know you turn around and the daggone emergency rooms especially in places like southeast and the uptown were filled with people who were gunshot wound victims man so on the other side I thought that Black Korea and he got a lot of you know backlash because you know this came right on the heels of Latasha Harlins and supposedly you know he got criticism from this stating that as the riots were coming on that he helped to stem some anti-Asian you know uh, sentiment in the hood. But I mean, to me, as far as I understand, that that sentiment was always there because there's been tensions between the Asians, Koreans, and the Blacks, especially in that part of the country. True to the game. Uh, the the first diss track on this is you will um three verses of venom not as colorful as no vaseline but he definitely gets it in on this i mean you know he's talking about at least on one verse in this who he's talking about now i do see someone was saying that he was referencing mc hammer in at least one of those verses which to me is crazy because (laughs) i don't know how he would actually sit there and talk stuff about hammer and Maybe he was talking about Hammer and Hammer didn't know he was talking about him because obviously we both didn't heard stories about Hammer and what he can do to people. You know what I mean? So um, at least back in the day. Doing dumb shit was another one because it it talks about the little dumb shit you used to do back in the day. You know what I mean? And so that gives you a window into, you know, you being young, dumb, as he said, young, dumb, and full of cum, doing dumb shit. Underrated on this album is us because I feel like where we are today and what we're going through as black people. He points out some really interesting facts on here, talking about how the drug lords and, you know, oh, you know, they make money and sell crack and do stuff like that, and they don't, you know, y'all could have built us a grocery store, but instead y'all buying each other, you know, buying clothes and chains and shit like that that, you know, 
we should be using that money to get ourselves further. And then he sort of talk about the whole thing about, you know, black people, they always want to black people always want to look good and want to stunt, but don't want to get anywhere economically. So those are one of the, one of the messages in the songs where you talk about some, we need to get further as a people, but we can't get that way doing the things that we've done, you know, and we're not in the notable quotables yet, but you know, he says stuff like this. He said, you know, you know us po niggas, nappy hair, big lips, four or five babies on your crotch, and you expecting Uncle Sam to help us out. Like you say, we ain't nothing but no porch monkeys to the average bigot, redneck honky. You say coming up is a must, but before we can come up, take a look at us. Just to, another genius of what Cube does when it comes to that social commentary. And then no Vaseline, bro. I mean, it's, <laughs> to me, it's in the top three of diss tracks all time. If you ask most people, they'll put it at number one. And I, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't have any argument in saying that, you know, it's number one. Why? Because he came out of the box and straight destroyed everybody from NWA and also destroyed Jerry Heller. Like, and I feel like he had a lot of venom on that track. I mean, he had a little bit of uh, uh, smoke for Dre, but I feel like a lot of his venom was for easy was for Ren and was for Jerry Heller. But in particular, he had a lot of smoke for Ren. And I feel like that was sort of the MC in him because he knew Ren was a rapper and Ren wrote. And he was like, nah, y'all, I, I got something for you. Like, for real, I got something for you. Let me show you how this shit is done. And obviously, Easy, yeah, he, he had shit for Easy and well-documented problems before them, before, you know, before Easy died. And then the shit with Jerry Heller, like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> obviously, you know, obviously, right. you know, but th that is a gold standard of diss tracks. It's something that when I hear that sample, it's I I can't even when I hear the original, I can't do any but hear no Vaseline when I hear it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, and that's a further <laughs> testament of how powerful the train was. So, <laughs> oh man, but just no really low lights on this for me, man. I think that it flowed really well having the two sides from the when you had the cassette and even when you listen to it, when you're either streaming or hear the CD, it just flows, man. And the production on this man, to be able to hear that different sound, the work that Boogeyman and Sir Jenks did on this, bro. It just like, it took such a contrast from America's most want, but wanted, but it still worked. It definitely still worked. Cool. So now we're going to get into notable quotable. So Jay, you got a notable quotable in here for us to talk about. I actually got two. I mean, um, cool. And no surprise, I mean, the first one, James, like, from Look Who's Burning. Okay. <laughs> on the second verse, he's like, now everybody's a victim. You can go see him, and you hear more claps in the Coliseum, sitting there quiet and embarrassed. Whoop, there goes that bitch who was careless. I remember she wouldn't give the cock to anyone who, anybody who lived on the block. Now, ho, look what you got. Been that big ass over for that shot. Because somebody's <laughs> piper hot, dripping like a faucet. I'm glad I didn't toss it. Got you a college boy who was worse than me. And he probably fucked the whole university. <laughs> Still want him to dick you down, kick you down with some bucks. Now who got fucked? With a nigga for the money he's earning. But ask for some more to bitch. Look who's burning. Yeah. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this shit definitely. I'm sure yeah. another one we can all relate to. Like, you know, yeah. Lil Young acting all high so diddy, but then. Because yeah. you ain't on a certain level, but then can go mess with somebody she perceives to be on her level, then yeah. she gets done worse. Exactly. Right. Uh, what was that John was looking at? I don't think I mentioned it, but man's best friend. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in verse two, he's like, here's the reason why Ice Cube packed, just in case little punks try to jack. 
I can't put a motherfucking pit bull under a coat in the small of my back. Mm. So I got to take my Beretta, and I bet you it'll probably work 100% better because mm-hmm. it'll keep me out of danger with 16 in the clip and one in the chamber. So this goes to all y'all intruders. Beware of the owner because the owner is a shooter. Mm-hmm. I don't just want to give your ass rabies. I'd rather have your ass pushing up daisies. Yeah. I can't do that with Benji, Rinsey, Tenor, Spuds, McKenzie. Forget about a dog who hit the shit in the den. Nowadays, the gat is a man's best friend. Yeah. Yeah, that was another standout I didn't mention though. But the the parallel between dogs and guns, yeah, mm-hmm. very cleverly done, very very Absolutely. cleverly done. So my notable quotable, and it's a ton of them on here. I could have picked something from No Vaseline, but I decided to pick us, as I just mentioned. So this is the one actually I was referring to was verse two, and he said, "And all y'all dope dealers, you're as bad as the police because you kill us. You got rich when you started slanging dope." But you ain't built us a supermarket, so when can we spend our money with the blacks? Too bad busy buying gold and Cadillacs. That's what you're doing with the money that you're raising. Exploiting us is like the Caucasians did for 400 years. I got 400 tears for 400 peers. Died last year from gang-related crimes. That's why I got gang-related rhymes. But when I do a show, kick some facts. Us blacks don't know how to act. Sometimes I believe I'm the hype man. Boy, we're messing up ourselves. Blame the white man. But don't point the finger, you jigaboo. Take a look at yourself, you dumb nigga, you. Pretty soon, hip-hop won't be so nice. No ice cube, just vanilla ice. And y'all sit and scream and cuss. But there's no one to blame but us. And I mean, <laughs> interesting, man. You know, he talked about the whole thing. You know, the dope dealers just as bad as the police because they're killing us, but killing us a different way. They got rich because they started slanging dope, but they ain't built us a supermarket yet with all the money that they had. You know, instead they're too busy buying golden Cadillacs, and, and yeah, yeah. For those that's younger than us, this is like '91, when like this is like the height of the crack epidemic at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know I'm saying even going back to DC, that was like the bloodiest year on record for us. But '91 was just like uh, just under like 500 murders. Yeah, yeah. So, that that like end of '90, the beginning and the end of '90 into '91 was the deadliest year on record in DC. You want to talk about some um, pretty much on average at one point in time, like one and a half murders happen every day. You know, that's how bad it was. <laughs> and in cities like L.A. and cities like New York and cities like, you know, Houston and all over and where there were black people in America, it was like this. You know, what I mean, for those who weren't alive during that particular time, I remember I was young, but I could remember just seeing the news reports and it felt like every day on the news, it was like two or three people showing up dead in D.C., and then neighboring Prince George's County, where we grew up at, it wasn't that much different, you know? So, I mean, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, though that's, I mean, it does make sense. It made me sort of think, like, damn, man. So, you're right, man. All these folks who were out here, like, dope dealers who were making so much money, instead of them, like, maybe even coming together to being like, yo, let's go ahead and make the hood better. Let's build a supermarket, like, help fix up a playground, help do this, help do that. But, nah, everybody was at each other's neck trying to get money. You know what I'm saying? And, and spending mm-hmm. it on them um, by themselves. So I give Q props for him coming out at the height of this drug shit when it was really bad for him calling out these dope dealers. You know what I mean? I definitely do. I give him props for doing that. So just part of the social commentary thing about Cube during this time that everybody, it wasn't just all bitches and hoes. It was, it was some shit that, you know, he was talking right. some shit on here. He definitely was. So now we're here, Jay, at the final test the test of time to see where we are is it a certified classic borderline classic classic just in this time or not a classic at all and then from seven to ten how we feel about it so i have a feeling what you're gonna say but what 
say you on what kind of classic it is and your rating and why. Oh, definitely classic, and I'm going nine out of ten with this joint. Cool. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I mean, now one 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 could make the argument that the beats may sound a little bit dated, the production, everything like that. But of course, we got to keep in mind this was back in '91. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But like, but Cube's lyrics, I mean, they're just so they're just so poignant and just to stand out so much. I mean, honestly, I feel like, I feel it overshadows that. So yeah. And again, it's just like a double-edged sword. I mean, it's just remarkable. It's still relevant, but still sad at the same time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even the stuff that's happened in the past, what, two years, I mean, with George Floyd, Amar Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, like, mm-hmm. it's just still relevant. Yeah, it it's is. It's unfortunate, but I mean, it's remarkable for him, for him, like, to be able to call it, but at the same time, it's like I said, it's still sad, like, you know, it still could be used to this day as far as, like, you know, pumping us up to, like, want to make changes. Yeah. That it's, it's sad that still something has to be changed, you know what I mean? Yeah. This is an album that, to me, when you talk about best albums of all time, and if you're putting it together the list, if it's like top 20 all time, depending mm-hmm. on who you task, it's top 10 all time. Again, for me, certified classic, 10 out of 10, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, this is one of the most impactful albums of our time. And by our time, I'm talking about the time when me and Jay has been alive. It's an album that has gotten his sparked conference controversy it's an album that also sparked some thought provoking you know um some thought provoking times it definitely raises the issues of the time it speaks to an america that hasn't changed that much in 30 years i mean the technology has advanced you know the cars do different things our phones are like supercomputers you know jay and i can record a podcast and be miles away from each other like all this stuff can happen but Still, there are things in America and around the world that people deal with when it comes to injustice as far as inequity and all these other things that are happening. And Cube was singing this 30 years ago. And despite all the other rhetoric about the bad things people want to talk about, whether he's talking about women or drug dealing or violence, it's through a scope of an America that he saw and he was reporting from the front lines of. It's something that when you talk about art imitating life, yeah, this is it in its purest form from a hip hop perspective. And mm-hmm. it's an album that when you talk about like the best of all time, a lot of people have this on their short list for the best best like in their top 20 or top 10. You know? Cube sure. is an MC that definitely makes a lot of people short list for top 20 or top 10 of all time. And the argument is a valid argument considering what his body of work was, especially his early body of work. So Certified classic, 10 out of 10. Jay says certified classic, 9 out of 10. I definitely think that it's on the short list of some of the most important rap albums in history because of um, the messaging in this as well. And then, you know, production-wise, I mean, you, I could agree with you a little bit there, Jay, but I kind of feel like that the production fit what the times were becoming because yeah. we talked about what West Coast production was as it was starting to gain an identity. There were producers like Dre, like DJ Quick, like Jinx, like Boogeyman, like Battle Cat, like DJ Pooh, that were starting to create what the identity would be. By the time we got into the next year after this album, oh, the West Coast sound was almost fully defined. And it started to travel up the coast to Oakland and would, would sort of integrate into what the things that they were doing there. And before you knew it, the damn country was in a G-Funk haze, like from 92, probably up until about 94. So, yeah, 
Definitely yeah, dope, so. dope times and a dope album. So there we go, boys and girls. Ice Cube Death Certificate. Make sure y'all go check it out. There's already been a 25th anniversary version that came out on vinyl and also on digitally. Make sure y'all go check out those deluxe versions. Also, please make sure you go and check out some of those articles about the 30th anniversary for that as it comes out. You know, it's, again, man, an album that we can't state just how dope it is and how important it is as well. And that yeah, is, made me think about like what you were saying. I'm, I'm yeah. I'm, this yeah. made me think about what you were saying as far as like times change. I mean, the one thing that's the one good thing that's come out of the time changes, like you know, like uh, smartphones and camera phones, things like that. Oh yeah, you know what I mean? Because like now, like all those things we said were going on back there, mm-hmm. you can actually see it in almost real time now. Like yeah, the yeah. fact that it, the fact that the Rodney King thing was caught on um, camera was a miracle in itself. You know what I mean? Like right. it really show like, look, this is what's going on. Yeah. I even said like somebody else the other day, like, can you imagine if you took like a smartphone and went back there and like mm. recorded some of the stuff you would have seen? Yeah. Ridiculous. Extremely bad shit. Extremely bad shit. Extremely bad shit. Because I think things were going on then and they didn't know that there was a, like those cops who were beating up Rodney King had no idea that somebody was like, what, a, a, a quarter of a mile away record, recording them. You know, they had no idea that that was going on. You could tell they was beating them like they didn't know they were being recorded. So, mm-hmm. Like now, it's like they know there's a chance they can be recorded, and, and you know, it's still some of them still don't give a some fuck. Some still don't give a fuck. They still doing it. Exactly. Yeah, man. Good point. Very, very good point. That is a, one of the good things about today is that we have the ability to be able to capture things in the act as it is happening, as you said, in real time. In real time. And that is going to wrap up yet another edition of The Vault. Please make sure you are checking us out on our host on Red Circle. You can also download, stream, and subscribe to The Vault Classic Music Reviews on any one of our streaming sources, anywhere where podcasts can be found. If you go to the link tree in the bio of any one of our social media pages, you'll find our link tree there to with all of our streaming sources and also all of our social media pages. Again, you can follow The Vault Classic Music Reviews on Instagram on at Podcast, on Twitter at Vault Classic. And on Facebook and YouTube, you can follow the Vault Classic Music Reviews podcast, like the Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel, interact with us on social media. We do it here all for you. We appreciate the support. And if you have a friend, tell a friend and make sure that that friend tells a friend. Always remember to keep your headphones on and your music loud, but not too loud. And as we close, we like to remind everyone to dream big because dreams are the basis for creation. Always create, motivate and elevate because we were never destined or created to stay stationary in this life. And on that note, we say peace. Thank you for listening and coming into The Vault. Please subscribe and follow us on Facebook at IV Creative and Instagram at IVECRE8.